Thank you, Gil. That's a, Gil does, and what our elders do on Sunday morning is a pastor's prayer. It is intended to be a following of the worship that we've been doing, the singing that we've been enjoying, everything that's been going on. And then a pastor comes up, and our elders are pastors. And they pray for our church, and that's a special time of worship. That's a special time of letting them say the words, and we get on our knees before the throne of grace in our hearts and hear what they say. I, I really I really do appreciate that. I really appreciate the letter from Ken and Kathy. Um, yes, thank you. Thanks to all of you who were there. There were many from our church, church that went farther than just a couple blocks to be with uh, Ken and Kathy as they celebrated their mom's home going. So I promised this morning that I wouldn't be as long as I was last week, so let's pray and we'll go home. <laughs> Scott got up and started out. <laughs> I just want to talk this morning about um, the bucket last time. I mean, uh, some people get tired of me using the same word, the bucket. I don't know how better to describe it, but I do have some grapes and I do want to make a couple of statements about it because I may have been very confusing last week. One of my greatest critics thought maybe I was confusing. So there's no confusion here. What God does, and I'm not talking about you, Chuck. I'm talking about somebody else. So God says, fruit or actually no fruit, you get saved, you come to know who Jesus is. You have a little fruit because you start to read the word and you start to cut back on all the curse words you were saying and you're not drinking and smoking and acting like a hillbilly. No fruit, fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. And I said that, you know, God, at the moment we come into the first basket, the Holy Spirit comes in us. He says that as where he promises that we have the Holy Spirit. And he says, he will be with you forever. I mean, you can get rid of me, but you can't get rid of him. Holy Spirit comes, he dwells in us, and he loves us. And then I was talking about grieving and quenching. We grieve the Holy Spirit with our sin. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we do what we know we shouldn't do. We quench the Holy Spirit when we put out his fire. He's trying to get us to do something, and we keep acting like he's not talking to us. He's talking to Wayne. No, he didn't mean me. Oh, yes, he did, and we quench the Holy Spirit. And so there's a place in here in these baskets where the Holy Spirit wants us to bear fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. And this fruit down here is when we're abiding in him, and when we abide in him, that means that we're doing his will, we're walking in his way. We're being the person that he wants us to be. And I say four baskets here, but there are not four zones. There are, the truth of this is God points us all toward the fourth basket. He said uh, in John 13, 
if you have love for one another, then they will know you are my disciples. And when we love one another, and we can only do that as we mature in Christ, we are going to be here in basket number four. And that's where all these lovely grapes are going to be. Because we're maturing. We're growing. And to get us from no fruit to abiding and much fruit, God does some things. He, I talked last week. He chastens us. Disciplines. Trials. These are the things that he does to test our faith. Do you love me? Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Three times he asked Peter. Why did he ask Peter that three times? To put an exclamation point on the fact that Peter had denied him three times. So I'm going to, if I'm all over the scripture and you don't follow what I'm saying, uh, there's all kinds of time during the week to come over and talk to me. Uh, Bring coffee. But God wants us to be here He doesn't want us, well, he doesn't mind if we're over here and we're only bearing some fruit. But he doesn't want that. He wants us over here. And he he disciplines us. I talked about it last week. Chastening. Chastening means that we're doing something wrong and he doesn't want us to do it. And I titled the sermon this morning, What Would Dad Do? My dad would come home and hear my mother say, I want you to kill that kid. Well, she didn't actually say that. Well, yeah, she did. But it's just like that. You know, mom, moms have a network. At least they used to have a network. When you're growing up, you do something and you think nobody knows about it and and you get home and your mom already knows about it. You see, God knows about it, too, and he just makes sure the communication stays open so mom knows so that when your dad comes home, she can say, kill that kid. It's discipline. It's the discipline that a father or a mother has for a child that they love. They can't help it. They want us to grow up and be the people they want us to be. Discipline, and so we move in. To this area when we get disciplined. But there's also the concept that we're doing something good and God loves it. He's so excited. We're, we are actually acting like Christians. We're standing up for the faith. We're glorifying God and he wants us to do that. And so he says, oh man, this is so good. You're bearing so much fruit. I'm going to trim off some of the limbs and junk. You know what pruning is, right? It's, it's, I'm not talking about those great big chainsaws they take the oak trees down with. I'm talking about God comes in with something he can use his hands on. Take away the, the leaves. Take away the limbs. He prunes you because in a grape vineyard, the way to get more grapes is to cut off a bunch of leaves. You're not growing leaves. You're growing grapes. God's not growing uh, hillbillies. He's, and I'm not, I'm not picking on hillbillies. I've been called that myself. He's not picking on people. He's growing people. 
You're doing what he wants you to do. You come in here on Sunday morning, many do, and they decorate the place. And God says that's wonderful. And so he'll do something to challenge you to do more. I like what you're doing. I'm going to do some more. And he's going to challenge us so that we can, we can do more. There's, not a, there's really not a, a place here where you move from chastening to pruning. Except the fact that when you're being chastened, you know it. Chastening starts when we sin and we don't immediately confess it and stop doing it. Dad would say, did you ever see me do that? Which was kind of his indication that no is the proper answer. And he does not want you to do that. And if you keep doing that, dad's going to elevate his game. Uh, we used to have this thing around our house called a belt. I was going to bring you one to show today, but it's really short now. But it, it, you, you just, the belt was God's next level. I mean, Dad's next level. And if you had a mother like I did, Dad really didn't need to know about it most of the time because Mom could give you a look that said, you're going to die if you don't stop that. Right? That's what God's doing when he prunes and chastens. He, he's going to do that. But when you're doing something good, mom says, well, I love that when you do that. Can you help me with this now? Because you're, you're growing. You're maturing. You're getting better. You cook. You can learn how to break an egg and not spill it all over the stove. And so mom says, help me with the batter for this cake. That's what God is doing when he's pruning you. He's growing you and maturing you so that you'll come to all these stages and you'll get here. And God has a serious game. That's what I want to talk about this morning. Some of you have told me about your experiences with fruit bearing and how you, you, know, you just want to come up and take over the sermon and, and do what you want to do. And I say, come on. Anybody here want to do that? Bart? Oh, no, he does. See how many mistakes I make? Here, let me get you the microphone. No, I don't. Hang on. You know, I'm, I'm from real hillbilly heritage. Oh, you are? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I apologize. Go sit down. That, <laughs> Go ahead. You know, I was um, sitting at home. Uh, I always get up really early. This morning was something special. Oh, oh I got to remember to do that. Yes, you do. You'll teach me. I will try. <laughs> this morning, I, I always get up early, but this morning was special. Four o'clock in the morning, I'm out there sitting on the porch, and we have a lot of birds. We love birds in our neighborhood, and we always put up, um, we have bird feeders and stuff. But it was something different today. That uh, rain coming down, a little moisture coming down. It seems like the birds were, they weren't squabbling. They just seemed really happy this morning. <laughs> Good. Um, but I, I get, often get up and I thought, you know, um, about a week or so ago, God just put something on my heart that said, you, you need to get up and give a, a testimony. And I said, ah, that's the last thing. I, I, I'm, 
always frees up. And uh, this morning, I'm, I'm talking to myself out loud about this. And it says, just have a conversation. So, um, anybody remember the Smothers Brothers? Yeah, well, this is Tommy, I'm Dick. <laughs> but uh, Am I the straight man then? I, I thought we would, we would, I would do it this way, because I, I can talk to him a lot better and give testimony to all of you. I mean, the, <clears throat> but uh, some things that God is, uh, I felt he was, he was putting in my heart to just encourage everybody. Uh, it wouldn't be, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for everybody here. And Ken's uh, words were just so uh, right on. You know, this is, uh, I got a, I got a little challenge here with COPD stuff. That's a different story. And I got to use notes because I see him using notes. <laughs> um, we sang that song today, He's the King. You know, that makes it real personal. God is the Lord, but he's the king. Amen. That, that makes it really personal that we're chosen. We aren't, uh, this, this isn't our church. This is God's church. Amen. And he chose us. And I've wondered, okay, well, on this fruit, I call this the, uh, this invitation here was what I'm doing, testimony from the fruit basket. But uh, why do we want more fruit? I guess God made us to always want more or something. Mm. And how do we get it? Well, there's the, the real question. Um, I know the one way you're not going to get it is being a lone ranger. It just doesn't happen. A lone ranger? A lone, a lone cool seat you were supposed to. <laughs> uh, you did. Yeah, you, I, you can't get... You can't get fruit by, by being a long ranger, you know, and it's not all that complicated. Uh, find what God tells you to do and, and go. The question, the real questions are, you know, am I willing to follow God? Am I um, willing to trust God? Am I willing to call on him? And am I willing to hear him? If uh, I will be willing, God does all the, all the heavy lifting. He really does. And uh, there are so many things that this church has added into my life. Uh, I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, get up there and, and say something. So that's what brings me here. And the verse that uh, just really struck me, I'm one of these that, page turners and I'll flip to something but anyway verses uh, Micah 6 8 makes it real simple if we do this the fruit will come I better be able to find the right card <laughs> he says put your glasses on Susan <laughs> want me to read it for you it says uh, Micah 6 8 he has told you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with our God. If we do that, we're going to grow fruit. We just, the two, you can't 
do that and not grow fruit. So um, I think we've been so blessed with uh, Pastor here. What's your name at this time? <laughs> Dr. Magby to you. Okay. Well, uh, I'll pray for you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I need that. Let's pray for you. Father, we just ask that now you would just uh, bless Gail. Or, uh, oh, what is your name? <laughs> Bart for coming. Start same alphabet. Bart for coming up, sharing this little word of testimony, Lord, that the best way to bear fruit is to do what the Lord calls us to do. Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with you. Thank you for my brother, Lord. Bless him now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. The truth is, I didn't know what he was going to say. He just said, do you mind if I come up and talk? And so that's what Gail and I talk about on sermons. We don't know what we're going to say. I want to just go back to my notes. I don't have my cards in my pocket. I just want to go back to my Bible, actually. The thing that is important about maturity, the thing that is important about grieving and quenching the Holy Spirit, the thing that is important about bearing fruit is that all of this is done for one purpose, to please God and to glorify Him. That's why we do all this. And God has a way of elevating His game when He chooses you he will have something special that he will do to make sure you stay on track. Abraham Lincoln was, uh, we talked yesterday about Abraham Lincoln. He was one of the most hated people in America. But God had a plan for Abraham Lincoln. I don't, I don't know how many elections he won, but you could probably count them on two fingers. And the big one was when he became president of the United States. And he was there because he was God's man to keep this nation from becoming divided. Abraham Lincoln did that. There were other people that we know over the years, over the years, George Washington, a founding father, people that did the things that they needed to do. God has a plan. And God may want one of you to be the next. And you're sitting there saying, no, I'm not. I'm 35, I'm real old, I can't do anything. Believe me, you're just a baby in God's eyes. God had people having babies at 100 years old. So what God does is he says, I will elevate my game. I want you to be my child. I'm going to just, uh, if you would look, just make sure I got all talked about that. Jason, you can go down to the next one, pruning. I've gotten that down. You're probably tired of hearing about that. 1 Peter 1.16 gives the basis for all that we do, all that we want to do, all that we're willing to do, because it says, 1 Peter 1.16 says, It is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. The Lord God is holy he wants us to be in his image, and that means we have to be holy. And so what we do is, as he says in the next uh, slide I think I have there, um, the proof of our faith, 
and this is over in First Peter um, 1, verses 7 and 9. If it's not there, let me just read it to you. The proof of our faith. Open your Bibles to First Peter chapter 1. I got notes everywhere. I, I brought this Bible today because it doesn't have any notes in it. And I have to think. Don't say anything, Chuck. So the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, the proof of our faith, the proof, the, the life that we live, which is the proof of our faith, is more precious than gold. Who you are and how you behave is more precious than gold. Being, even though tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The proof of our faith. He says, um, James says in James chapter 1, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. <laughs> Nuts. When you encounter various trials, you're right in the middle of a... There's farmers in this room, aren't there? Oh, I, I, good. Because sometimes when you're right in the middle of planting or harvesting or something like that, something important on the equipment breaks. And it's going to cost you to fix it. It's going to cost you to repair everything. It's going to make everybody kind of slow down to where you don't want it. But the way we respond to that, the way we act about that, proves that God is our God, and that we love him tremendously. James says that. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Trials, and I'm going to use trials as part of the, the uh, analogy of pruning, and trials are considered basically the same thing. It's not a test of chastening and getting you to move things, but it's a part of the, what God wants us to know, what he wants us to be. James. Anyhow, let's, uh, let me just move on. Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews is a, a, a word from God written by an unknown author, I believe. God knows. But it's a word from God that says, nothing created was created without the hand of Jesus Nothing sustains life on the planet Earth except the hand of Jesus. Nothing is superior to Jesus. Jesus is the final word. Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, amen. That's the final word. That's in the book of Hebrews. And so when we come to this question of how does God get us on the right track, how does God keep us moving down the narrow path, in chapter 10, I just want to show you a few verses because... I hope they affect you as they do me. Talking about pruning. This is a pruning statement. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners. Verse Chapter 10, verse 34. You showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Now this is kind of up here. This is not one of those Sunday school lessons. This is up here. What God is saying that you have endured, your faith has not failed, and it says 
and verse 34, you showed sympathy to prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property. Testing. Trials. And knowing that um, they seized your property, it's kind of like there's a place in every trial, there's a place in every test where you don't turn back, you don't let go because God is not finished until God is finished. And you will know when he's finished. Is that making sense? Wake up your neighbor and say, is that making sense? Yes. Therefore, it says in verse 35, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Don't stop doing what you're doing just because it gets tough. If there's no sin in your life, if God's not revealing you sin, he's pruning you. He's testing you. And James says, let the testing create perseverance in your life. We always say we're not fear people of fear, we're people of faith. But we're not quitters either. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Verse 36, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. I, I look at Austin and some of these other young dads around here, and some of the young mothers, you're home with uh, three children. You're living with a wife that's going crazy because she's home with three children. And I'm hyperbole as in this. But the, prob- the truth is that's a season of life. That's a time. Finances change. Relationships change. Words change. Sometimes they get bad. And we, we, we're going through a time of our life. And if God says in his word, you can't be a leader in the church if you can't lead your family, he takes that seriously. That's a trial. Don't quit. Don't give up. Keep, you know, pick up your sword and your shield of faith and stay in the fight. Those are your kids. Oh, by the way, the Bible says they are a gift from him. How are you taking care of the gift? That's your spouse. All right, enough. You get the pill. Verse 37, he says, For in a very little while, he who is to come will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, the trial gets tough, your faith is tested, and you can either persevere or you shrink back. And he says, but if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. It's as if God had a soul. He says this in anthropological terms so we can understand in human terms. If you keep shrinking back, you're not proving And doing the will of God, you're proving and doing exactly the opposite. And probably you don't have faith. If you don't think we're not going to be tested in our culture, in our society, in the schools that we have, in the places we eat and all those kind of things, today you are not, you're just sleeping too much. Because we will be tested. We will be challenged. And we're going to have the choice of either glorifying God 
are pulling back. I don't need to tell you all the details of that, but chapter 11. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11 briefly. Chapter 11 is a book about testing. Chapter 11 is a book about faith being challenged. Chapter 11 says, for Jacob, what did Jacob do? He lost his favorite son, and he thought he was dead for many years. If you just read down, start in verse, well, you, you can, the whole chapter is a beautiful chapter of testing. People were testing. And he, then he gets down to verse um, 28, 29, 30. What shall I say? He's kind of running out of time in verse 32, and he says, And what shall I say? For time will fail me if, a, if well, time will fail me if I tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured, not accepting their release, so that they might obtain a better resurrection. In the midst of the trials, some people, faith was so strong that they got their, their husband or their child back by a miracle of God. They got their husband or their child, it says, uh, they were... They were tortured and accepted, not accepting their release. Many Christians in that they were tested on their faith and they were strung up on the cross. They were put on a stake. They were burned alive. They were thrown to the lions. But they knew <laughs> this momentary light affliction. And I don't really think of lions' teeth as momentary light affliction. But they did because they had their eyes focused on Christ. Come back and read this passage in chapter 11 again. It said in verse 37, well, 36, and others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also change and imprisonments. All, they, they were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sword, and they went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated men whom the world was not worthy of because they would not deny their faith. They would not stop allowing God to work in their lives and prove their faith and glorify Him and help create the family of God, the religion that we believe in Christ. Men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. They didn't receive the promises God has made. I, I, I go to make a home for you. I go to bring you to me. I go to show you what heaven is. You have laid up treasures in heaven. Because God had provided something better for us. 
so that apart from us they would not be made perfect. Our faith is built on nothing less than Jesus and his righteousness. And these passages right here, God has raised his game. He was bringing these people to a fiery trial, a fiery test, poverty, hunger, to prove that without faith it is impossible to please him, and they intended to please God. Beloved, there's something on your mind right now that you know You're not pleasing God. You should stay in the game. Put away sin. Put away everything except the will of God. And that, that connects so specially with what Bart said this morning. You can't do it as a lone ranger. <laughs> he said in Hebrews 9, Do not forsake the assembling together as is the habit of some. Chapter 9. And all the more as we see the day drawing near, we have to have friends. We need to be friends, and we need to stay the course no matter how tough it gets. There's one thing I'm thankful for this church. So far, the church here has stayed the course. I've been here just a short time. But you have stayed the course. You have supported the leadership. And they have been encouraged by you. And they have worked hard to do the things that you bring up. And that you think we should be. Are we the barn burningest church in America? I don't know. God knows. But I know God can use a church like Christ's community. If we will set aside the sin. And prove our faith every day by walking with him. Just real quick, look at Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He is our example. Philippians 2, he is our example. He is our example. He, no matter what happened, no matter what power he had to stop the process, he could have called legions of angels. But the will of God was that he would continue and die for us on the cross. That was the will of God. He came that we might have life. And there's no other way we can get it. Worshiping stones or rocks or carved images don't get it. Only by faith in Christ. And there's no way we can mature except allowing God to mature us, however that looks sometimes. We're not having to fight lions here. Not yet. But we are having to struggle. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but when I was in pastoring a church in Maine during the COVID, we always wondered if the police were going to come through the back, actually the front door, and arrest me because we were doing church. 
That's what God wants us to do. We were praising and singing and worshiping. That's what God wants us to do. And we knew the risk. You know the risk. He said, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, keep it up. Keep glorifying God. For consider him, he says in verse 3, and this is where I get to the the point of um, pruning. Consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that we will not grow, so you will not grow weary and lose heart. And verse 4, which I didn't write down, you have not resisted yet to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. See, that was the whole deal. The pruning is to help us with the power of the Spirit in us, not quenching him, not grieving him, but standing with the sword and the shield. And saying, I don't know what course others may take, but as for me, give me Jesus. Amen. Amen. And we think that might be easy. It might not be easy. But glorify God in your actions. God would not give you more than you can handle. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. That's what this is about. That's what the fruit is about. Forget the baskets. Remember the fruit. God is glorified every time we do something honoring him. Every time we stand, we sing that song, I'll stand. Da, 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 da. I don't know the words, but. Thresholds of pruning. Consider him. Consider God. Some thresholds of pruning are fear. Why are you afraid? God says, do not fear, for I am with you. Anxiety. He says, be anxious for nothing, right? Sunday school teachers teach you that. Be anxious for nothing. In all things, through prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Another indicator of fear of pruning or or not allowing pruning is shame of being a Christian. God will put you in places to be unashamed. And if you're ashamed, it will be revealed. And then you have to decide. Lack of prayer is an unwillingness. It's It's something God will bring you in to a situation where your prayer life will get serious. I know I've talked to people here that had faced the wall in the past year. And it caused them to pray. It caused them to start to pray deeply. General Malaise. General Malaise. He's not a guy. He's a thought. He's a character trait. It's when you, oh, what difference does it make? Huge difference. Huge difference. When God did this to all those people in Israel, his chosen people, his circumcised men and his loved women, and he punished or allowed them to be tested like this, 
Not because they were in sin, but because he was testing them. What do you think he will do for us? Is there ever going to come a time when we say in God we trust in our coins and God says I don't believe it and he decides to test our nation? And when he does that, it becomes an individual responsibility first. It becomes an individual responsibility to his family second. It becomes an individual responsibility to the community. final stumbling block for, for um, pruning is stubbornness. I probably need to explain that to you because you, you guys don't understand stubbornness, do you? And God says in Hebrews 13, 6, so that he says, so that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? Repeat of Psalm 118.6. The Lord is my helper. He does things to mature me. Some things are painful. He does things to correct me. I can stop the correction by confessing the sin. I can enjoy the pruning and allow him to continue to change my life. In all things, I try not to grieve him or quench him. I just want to ask the worship team to come back. I always surprise them with that. Bart, if you want to come sing, go ahead. This is serious stuff. This is serious moments. These are important. And I mean, next, uh, next time we meet, we can talk about other aspects of walking in the Spirit. But God teaches us this for a reason. God's people, I mean, we say we want to be a, like the New Testament church in the beginning. Swords, lions, and all that kind of stuff. I don't want to do that. Do you? I don't want to do that. What I want to do, I want to be the church that God wants us to be right now. I want to be the pastor He wants me to be right now. I want to be the friend that he wants me to be right now. Because he is my king. Can we sing that again? He is my king.